Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. This podcast is really all about pornography, <laughs> sexual immorality, and the Bible, which is awesome because the Bible has so much to say about these things, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. How you doing, Peter? Doing pretty all right. <laughs> pretty okay? Yeah, pretty okay. How you feeling? All right. <laughs> Not too bad. That's good. Salvation Army was cool last night. It was. Yeah, we had a good time with those guys. Yeah, it was a good chat. We actually did a Q&A with uh, all the men at the uh, Long-Term Rehabilitation Center, and we uh, the Q&A was kind of on pornea, which is cool. I don't even know if our listeners kind of know much about kind of that word. Yeah, I don't really think we've talked about it yet on the podcast. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting. We kind of took them through Matthew chapter uh, 19, and we took them to a real famous passage, actually one that we um, use quite a bit when it comes to maybe the controversy with um, issues like homosexuality and, and monogamy. Um, but Jesus is asked about divorce, and he brings up um, Genesis chapter 2, the very first book of the Bible. So this is thousands of years before Jesus. He's bringing up uh, the very beginning um, where God makes Adam and Eve and says, For this reason a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. And he brings up that passage, and when he brings it up, the people are kind of, uh, you could tell they're a little disturbed by it, um, and they question Jesus on it, and then Jesus talks and says something really narrow, I mean, something that's really kind of freaked people out even more, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, he, he basically talks about uh, sexual immorality, that if someone divorces a wife except because of sexual immorality, they they commit adultery, hmm. and um, which is a pretty radical idea. And that term sexual immorality is actually in the Greek this word porneia. Hmm. And you know, you can kind of tell the people where where maybe the Jewish people have their ideas with that, Peter. Yeah. So if you if you go into the the definition, the Greek definition for porneia. Uh, the Jews got their ideas of this word um, from Leviticus chapter 18 in the Old Testament, um, which is which is really interesting because in their their minds the word pornea, like we we say the word pornography today, and uh, me and Bo have talked about before how that word um, kind of does stem from this word pornea, but definitely in their minds it meant something a little a lot more intense than just viewing images on a computer screen or in a magazine. To them, it was the issues that were brought up in Leviticus 18, which were the very issues that God said that the Canaanites were going to be thrown out of the land for committing. Uh, things like incest, uh, having sex with your aunts, your, your uncles, having sex with your dad, having sex with your mom, having sex with your brothers and sisters, um, having sex with animals. Uh, and, and within that list is actually the idea of not having sex with, not having intimacy with um, uh, men with men and women with women, what we today would call homosexuality. And that is the, that's the definition that uh, the Jewish mind would have 
when Jesus said, unless someone divorces over this, um, adultery, things like that, then there is, then there is, um, then, then you're committing a sin. Now, the interesting thing is in the law, which the Jews of Jesus's time would have still been following Leviticus 18, the punishment for pornea was death. Uh, it was, it was being stoned to death. And so it is really interesting that Jesus is talking at a time when the Jews were not allowed to implement the death penalty. Uh, they weren't allowed to, to do that anymore because the Romans took away their right to do so. Um, and so he's talking to these people and he says, unless someone commits a sin like this, which previously the penalty would have been death, he says now that's, uh, that's a cause for divorce. Which is uh, which is kind of an interesting uh, take that he had on it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot there. So for so it's interesting that in in the Bible, first of all, the Bible uses the term pornea. Pornea was a common term of the day. Um, it was a Greek word, so the Greeks obviously used pornea. And I'm not quite sure how the Greeks used that term. Mm. You know, I probably could study that a little more. Yeah. Um, but we certainly know that the Jewish people already had definitions for pornea. Yeah. And as you say, they had their, their writings. And in their writings, specifically Leviticus 18, um, you go into this and it definitely has a laundry list of, of prohibitions, which I find are great. And, um, you know, you think of why would God have all these prohibitions? But you know what? If you read this, anybody in the United States were to read this, Leviticus 18, we're going to agree with almost everything that's listed here. Hmm. And really, it wasn't till too long ago that we really agreed with probably all of it. Yeah. And it was more recently that we've actually maybe accepted a little part of it, hmm. of this Leviticus 18 in the culture. But overall, the rest of it, we would all go, yeah, 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 this is, it's good. You don't, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, uh, so I think that the in, people in the United States mostly would agree with the prohibitions that God put on his people, Israel. Mm. And I think it's obvious of why these prohibitions were put in place as well, mm. um, because if people don't have sexual prohibitions, then sexual promiscuity is going to happen. Yeah. And could you imagine if it was legal for a man to also have sex with his daughter? Hmm. Um, that seems like it would happen more. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people um, in America disagree with that. They'd be like, no, that's not true. But if you look at cultures and societies throughout the ages, uh, incest, sexuality like that to that level was actually really common. Yeah. Really common to, uh, for sexuality to exist uh, between father, daughter, uh, between brother, sister, aunt, uncle. And there's always that question, well, Cain, what about Cain, Peter? I mean, Cain had incest, so was that okay? Back then? I mean, how would you answer that? So it depends on whether you'd be an old earth or a young earth creationist. Um, a young earth creationist, which is what I am, uh, what I believe you are as well, Bo, mm -hmm. uh, what we believe is we take a very strict uh, reading of the Old Testament. We believe that the earth is young and that because of that, when Cain is having a wife, it was his literal sister. 
that he had a wife that that was his wife and uh lest you think like well that was just cain he's evil seth uh who's the godly line he took a wife and his wife would have also been his sister and what we as Christians believe is we believe, um, you know, if you're young earth, if you're old earth, you don't you don't believe that. You believe that God created like a community and, and we evolved and it's kind of interesting at that point. But um, what we believe is that if Adam and Eve really were um, the, uh, the the ancestors of us all, right, that, that our bloodlines all descended from Adam and Eve, that, that means that if we look at the biology of humankind and how it's deteriorating over time, it would only make sense to, to go backwards and say that if Adam and Eve were really the people that started it all, they would have to be perfect. There would have to be no flaws in their DNA. And so because of that, for a time, God allowed for um, incest to take place because those was the only people that were there. Um, over time, as our DNA starts deteriorating and as we start de-evolving, uh, throughout the human race, now it becomes harmful for me to um, have incestuous relationships uh, for our DNA and for our offspring that come out of us. So because of that, at some point, you know, we don't know exactly when this point happened, but if you look at, um, say, like Abraham even, Abraham uh, was with his half-sister Sarah. Um, you have Isaac, uh, I mean not Isaac, you have Jacob, who ends up going to, it would, I think uh, Rachel would have been his cousin, uh, his first cousin, and that's obviously still okay. Uh, but then when you get into Leviticus, obviously over that 400-year period, now things are becoming more strict and, and things are becoming uh, saying no to that. And this is how I kind of look at it. Um, well, let me first comment on what you're saying um, in that I in my studies of just, uh, and I'm certainly not a scientist nor a geneticist or anything like that, but when, whenever I've listened to geneticists talk and read their articles, it seems like that, that makes sense because the more things get genetically broken down in a, a group of people or a group of dogs or whatever it is, things, the, the breaking down as time goes on, as people mate, um, and as uh, people, uh, in a sense, um, they're, there's more, they're more prone to mistakes as things go. Um, so that makes sense that as time goes on, the DNA breakdown, if you will, there's a genetic breakdown as people mate more and more and more and more and more um, that cause potential problems or mutations. Hmm. Um, so I've I've definitely read those type of things that make me think that what you're saying there's some definitely some truth there. Yeah. Um, 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 but then I think too that Leviticus happens, you know, a, a lot longer down the road than the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you know, obviously Cain. Because just just for for those that are listening, you know, Adam and Eve, um, Adam was. Uh, uh, a good um, maybe thousand years before Abraham. More than that, yeah. Um, he lived to be nine hundred. Yeah, yeah, so you think that's that's a pretty long time, yeah. and um, and then uh, you know, then you have Abraham on the scene. Then you have Moses. Is do you remember what, what the time of Moses is from Abraham? Moses would have been around 1500 BC. So, um, so five, six hundred after. Yeah, about 500 years, 600 years after. After the time of Abraham. Abraham. So you think, 
during Abraham's life is when Leviticus is written. Yeah. And so you have these hundreds of years after that Leviticus 18 is, is in a sense, penned or carved <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, and here it is. And to me, it makes a lot of sense to understand that by Leviticus, um, which is already now 1,600 years or so after Adam and Eve, mm. you have issues where mankind is abusing um, God's initial command to go and multiply and fulf fulfill, subdue the earth. Mm. Um, where the corruption in mankind is now at at a great level, where now they do have daughters and they their sexual appetites are now being satisfied through many people in their families, mm. um, and and the not taking into account the emotional or physical damage that's being done. Yeah, and and in the Bible you never have any of the people in the godly lines, you never have any of them like fathers having intimacy with their daughters, any of the godly people. Obviously there's Lot, uh, but Lot was definitely out to <laughs> out to lunch when he did that, you know, and yeah. he, he was definitely sinning against God's plan. But I mean, you'd, you'd understand like, you know, what, what we understand now and what they, I, I believe they understood this as well back then that, you know, if you're, if you're a dad, if you're a father and your job is supposed to be protecting your daughter and raising her and, and bringing her up in a right way, uh, the, the temptation to raise somebody, uh, if your plan was to have intimacy with them, the temptation to raise somebody and to abuse that relationship would be so high. And that's what you see happening in those pagan cultures of these older people taking advantage of younger people, um, and in incestuous relationships and in, uh, you know, uh, pedophilic-type relationships as well. Uh, and that was what was happening in the other cultures, where it was really common for uncles to have, you know, intimacy with their nieces, with, you know, fathers and their daughters, with, you know, things like that, where, you know, these younger girls, these younger, in a lot of times boys too, you know, homosexuality was rampant in those cultures. So it's like, you know, just to take advantage of them was not a big deal. In fact, even in my time in Afghanistan, it kind of blew me away. But it wasn't uncommon at all for the older men to have sexual relations with the younger boys. Uh, so for your son, if you were growing up and you had your kid and he was, you know, eight, nine years old, for him to be molested by, you know, your brother or by some other uh, family friend, it wouldn't be weird. You know, it wouldn't be something where you would even be very upset about it because it was just so common. It's just so natural for them to practice stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that obviously that's in the Middle East and that's the exact place that we're talking about in the Bible. So these practices have been going on for thousands of years mm. uh, without any break. And uh, I think it's in the Proverbs where he says, do not remove a fence unless you know why it's there. Mm. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you could take that in a literal sense, but he's, uh, you know, when you study it, when you look at it, you understand what he's saying. What he's saying is that God has this wisdom because he's the creator, like he made everything. He knows how things work. He's the designer. And the designer has spoken. And he said, this is not good for my creation. And what we as humanity have done since the beginning is we've decided, you know, ever since we ate that fruit of like, I don't know if God really knows what's best. And so we, we begin to remove the fences that he's put up for us. And once we remove one fence, 
it's easier to remove the next fence. The second one. So like, you know, for uh, for a long time in Western culture, we've taken for granted the Leviticus 18 fence, you know, in quotations, where, you know, like Bo was saying that like, you know, we just kind of look at it and like, yeah, no, duh, of course you don't have sex with your daughter. Of course. But now that we're questioning it, the question becomes is like, well, why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you? You know, what what's wrong with it? What's wrong with, I mean, if you, if your daughter, I mean, let's say if we just take it from our culture's perspective of it's all about love, right? I mean, if, uh, if you have a daughter and she's a grown up, you know, she's 18 years old, she can make her own decisions and you love her and she loves you. Like, what's the matter with that? You know, what's the matter with a, a brother and sister? I mean, the only real thing, I mean, I've heard even atheist debaters say stuff like, well, I mean, I think the only thing we should do is we should just make sure that they don't have children. You know, so as long as they don't have children, they could have a sexual relationship. They can they can adopt. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. They could get married. We'll just, you know, make sure they don't have kids, and then that way it's okay. And now we see this, now that homosexuality is becoming more and more accepted, you see pushes in those areas now, and pushes in the areas of pedophilia, and pushes in the area, and like, so yeah, all why, these fences Why is it are, 18? Why is, why why can't it be 17? Yeah. You know, why can't I have sex with a 17-year-old? Or is... You know, and what's interesting to me in my, in my own studies and, and the research of, you know, porn cultures is, you know, we have an industry in the United States um, that that promotes movies that are are against Leviticus 18, meaning and, and they would be deemed illegal activity in the United States. Right. And that that to me is a little bit interesting, too. Because you have this whole source of, of legal entertainment, so to speak, which is, quote, adult legal entertainment. But it has names, you know, like, you know, blank your aunt or blank your stepfather or blank your father or blank your mother. Or, you know, these are, you know, doing your sister, th this kind of thing that would go directly. That would be considered pornea, hmm. you know, by the, the Leviticus 18 definition. And yet, it is a legit industry. Yeah. You know, and it's not illegal in what what they're doing. Yeah, because probably, I mean, you probably know better than me. Mm -hmm. What is what they do is that they just say that these two people are related, but they're really not. Yeah, they're really not. Even though there are, um, there definitely is some backwoods pornography that is kind of like, you know, you don't know if it's these people really are or related or not yeah but most of the popular ones um from popular studios you know they're just actresses and actors right. you know uh playing a part so but the name of the, the titles are just right there right you know right and they set up the scenario they set up the scenario right. so it, it it it's playing the drama the drama is unfolding right you know um and and you know, so I don't know what, you know, there's a lot of people that watch those and are attracted to those type of things. And to me, that is just a revelation of where the heart's at and why Leviticus 18 has to be there. Yeah. You know, why God, why God puts it in there. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like one argument could be where more people would say, well, hey, you know, people, people, you know, you know, incest is wrong. It's just wrong. Well, if it's so wrong, then why are why do people even want to watch it? Yeah. And beyond that, I mean, if I were to take a poll of how many how many people have been molested by a family member, 
it would probably be pretty high, right? Higher than any of us would like to believe, right? Um, so I mean, obviously, there's there is something in our hearts that goes that way. That's right. Even in a country where we say it's wrong, you know. So I mean, again, you go into a country where they say it's right, it's just it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. Like it happens all the time. So obviously, there is something in the human heart that does want to bend that way. Yeah, and and we always have to ask the question: Is it good to bend that way? Is it really good to bend in those directions, you know, to live off your sexual impulses and whatever you want to do? You know, pornography becomes safe in the sense that instead of someone acting out on their sexual impulses, they can go view pornography and and self-gratify to it. Um, but that that it can work both ways, meaning someone can do that and watch, say, incest porn and and self gratify to it and never do it in real life. But some people could watch it and then desire to really go do it. Hmm. So it can happen both ways. I don't think it happens the second way as much as it does the first way. Right. Meaning I think most of us have a. Uh, the deviant attitude of our heart gets revealed through what we're watching, through what we're picking, mm. you know? Um, and that's why, you know, it's always important for us in our groups and in our just times with people to always find out what they are watching. Right. Because it, it is a, it is a, a revealer of kind of where we're at sometimes. Yeah. Where uh, our hearts are at. Where our hearts are at. That's right. You know, but in a in a world that that it, it would be okay to have sex with your relatives, your near kin. I mean, what do you think people would abuse that? Hmm. And the answer is absolutely they would abuse that. Um, people would. So it wouldn't just be people aren't just going to be nice about it. Like, oh, you want to have sex with me? Oh, great, you do. Okay, cool. Right. That's not how it's going to work. Yeah. Because we know that mankind is not like that, mm. that we tend, our, our lustful inclinations are much stronger than the logic in our brain. Mm. Um, and so we, we have to deal with this pleasure sensory, this, this lustful inclination. Um, and that means we, we probably would, people would get people drunk in their family. People would do whatever it took to be able to um, be with them in an intimate way. Um, and you think of like, God, people drugging their daughters to have sex with them, that would be just absolutely horrible, mm. you know. And I think we just don't realize what maybe pagan culture um, was like, like that kind of lifestyle, mm. you know, and the the emotional trauma and the fear that people lived in all the time hmm. um, of not knowing what was going to happen at night. Yeah. You know, you know, so what's interesting is sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, watch a documentary on Mormonism and I'll watch them on uh, kind of um, the old practices of Mormonism with polygamy and listening to some of those ladies share their testimonies is hmm. always a real rude awakening, hmm. you know, cause they, they express that fear at night, like, you know, is he going to come in my room? Is he going to go? Do I hear him going into another person's room? There's always that fear, mm. you know, and, and and these are the wives talking, mm. you know, 
of, um, you know, just the fear of, um, is, is this guy going to be with me after he just got done being with her? Mm-hmm. Um, and the emotional baggage that's, that's, that's left. So, you know, I, 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 you know, maybe it's a question we can ask, uh, the psychologist David Lay when he does come on with us to yeah. talk about some stuff like that. Yeah. Because it is an interesting point, you know, that we have to look at as a, as a culture and as a society, because, you know, what we have, and here's the real problem is that Christianity starts with a basis that humanity has fallen, like that we are capable of good, but as C.S. Lewis put it, we have a goodness that's gone bad. Right. You know, there's something, there is something off about us. And the obvious question I could ask is like, why is it that people are more attracted to watching two actors, an actor, an actress, or two actors or two actresses or whatever, um, pretending to be related to one another as opposed to them just setting up a scenario where they're not related to one another? You know, why is there a pull in that direction to begin with? You know, why not just set up a scenario with these two people where they're just not related? And there's obviously something in us that wants to buck against our real, uh, against the law. And um, it's interesting, whenever they do studies of, uh, of swingers, you know, people who have open relationships, it's like almost all of them end up cheating anyway. And the question as asked is like, how do they cheat? You know, isn't that don't they have an open relationship? Aren't they Can't cheaters they, already? Are they, are they already cheaters? And yeah. usually in a relationship like that, the only real rule is is that when you cheat, you have to be honest about it. And even then, they'll lie about their affairs. And it's just so weird. And and uh, I think one psychologist put it best. She said, when we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing, then we feel we are doing what we actually want to be doing. Uh, so there's something in us that just goes against whatever law is up there. We want to go against it. We want to go the other way. We want to we want to bend as far as we can to the deviancy in our nature, and it fits perfectly. That fits perfectly in what the Christian worldview is: is that we have a goodness that's gone bad. We've been tainted. We've been spoiled. We've gone away from something that was good. But if you start with an atheistic perspective, it's just that well, we're just you know, we're just molecules of motion. We're just, you know, descendants from animals. So that means the only morality that I could actually have is whatever morality I choose for myself. And when you have that kind of perspective, then it's like, you know, where I feel that my morality is based on just instinctiveness, you know, on what's best for the species. Uh, then, then obviously it's like, you know, why, why have laws like this? You know, we have instincts, we're species, we've lived for thousands of years. Obviously, we're not going to destroy ourselves, you know, so why not? Yeah, everything, all, all the laws are just social constructs right? to, in a sense, limit um, uh, rebellion or, or maybe acts of violence or things of that nature. That's right. So why would we, why would we legalize things like uh, sexuality? You know, like, I, I mean, you could see it more and more in our culture today where, uh, the younger generation are asking those questions of like, why should we? Why should we limit? Why should we put up this this boundary over our sexuality? You know, what what's the purpose? Yeah, and you know, again, I th- I, I think you know, looking at history, you're always going to see at some point people are always going to try to have that liberation party somewhere along the line in their history of a kingdom. You know, where they want to have that liberation. Um, ideal, but it's undermining uh, the Christian. It's under in the Christian worldview. It's undermining the Christian foundation that you're not good, hmm. and that's why you can't have that liberation party. 
because if you do if you do liberate yourself sexually there is something that you're underestimating within you mm. and that is what what the bible calls the sinful inclination mm. meaning there always that you're going to do things out of selfishness hate um jealousies um you know lust which is a form of selfishness mm. um, at the expense of someone else. Mm. Um, and you're going to destroy lives. You're going to destroy people. And if it's okay to destroy lives in in your philosophy of life, well, then certainly nothing's wrong with the liberation party of just throwing off sexual restraint. Mm. But if there's a problem with hurting people emotionally, creating people a fear epidemic in people's hearts because they don't know if they're going to be raped mm. um, and when that's going to take place, um, then then there's a problem with that liberation party. Mm. You know, some people argue against patriarchy, that that male dominance is the problem. Well, could you imagine a liberation party if mm. if all sexual restraint was thrown off? What kind of patriarchy would rule and reign the sexual uh world mm. and culture it would it would be a man's uh uh violent act to in you know in sexuality meaning men would dominate as the stronger of the two mm. they would dominate their daughters they would dominate any woman that they wanted to dominate mm. um and so if you're if you're out there and you're against patriarchy, you certainly wouldn't, wouldn't be for sexual liberation in that sense of the term. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you know? again, like a lot of women in our country would be like, no, there's no way, wouldn't do that. And uh, like I said, you, you'd be taking advantage of what the Christian gospel has done for you, right? The Christian gospel, what Leviticus 18 did is it restricted the men from doing it, whatever they wanted to the women in their culture. And from the younger men as well, you know, it, it restricted those who are strong from taking advantage of the weak. And you see over and over again in Leviticus, there are restrictions on men from the way that they treated women and their restrictions of the way they treated them. And you see this wonderful liberation beginning to happen. I mean, you go to you go to Israel, compare Israel to any other country surrounding it and the way their women are treated. Right. It's it's ridiculous. Right? <laughs> the difference that that goes on there. And you have to ask the question of like, where does that come from? Where does it come from? And the answer that we as Christians would say is it comes from a restriction, not from a liberation. Right. Every other country that's dominated women, they've had a liberation. They've done what they've wanted with their sexuality. And like Bo said, the men are the stronger of the of the genders. And so they've used that that liberation to oppress their women. And um, if you think that our culture is immune to that, that if we start liberating ourselves, women are going to be treated great, you just haven't studied human hi human history. You haven't studied human nature and what we do with that kind of liberation. Yeah, it's almost like our, our culture is kind of on this experimental kind of laboratory, you know, with sexuality, where we're, we're thinking like, hey, we can experience a liberation and steal and not have patriarchy dominate, you know, and not have violence dominate, you know, or selfishness and lust that runs wild, that somehow we're going to have a sexual liberation um, of, 
and and actually hold it all together. It's all going to be good. Like we're still going to have the leave it to beaver lifestyle <laughs> with sexual liberation. Yeah. So we're still going to have the families the way we have families and and those and and I and it's very difficult for me to comprehend that. Mm. Like the only thing I can think that that can happen is that that um you're going to need more government regulation, more science science is going to influence government to regulate um babies, regulate this, regulate that. Um um you know, something, you know, there's going to have to be some kind of, um, um, you know, new um, regulatory system mm. um, to to this new system, this new liberation movement um, that's happening. Where before it's so much, it's not just, it's not really the government, but but it, it's really the Christian. Uh, foundation, the Judeo-Christian foundation, I think, in the country and in peoples that's influenced the government so much to create these laws. Mm. But even without those laws, there's such a foundation. And that's why you can go up to an atheist and still say, hey, do you think it's okay to have sex with your daughter? And they're going to go, ah, probably not. Mm. You know, because there is that underlying foundation that it's probably, it's not good, Yeah. you know, to do it. But it, be, when you wipe out, when you take out the Christian foundation, as being the regulator in people's hearts of why this is not good to do, then something else has to become the regulator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm not sure what that's going to be, um, you know, um, but it seems like that's what, that's the social experiment that we're in right now. And it is, um, it's a failed one. You know, whenever I hear, because I, I, I do, I listen to a lot of intellectual, you know, professors from Oxford, professors from even even the, uh, the American Ivy League schools, Yale, Berkeley, things like that. You know, Berkeley's not Ivy League, but it's still, you know, it's still it's up there in academia. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you hear these people and whenever I listen to them, I'm like, I don't know what rock you live under. You know, I, I just don't know what gated community you dwell in where you don't know what society's actually like. Because I like to believe that I, I, I was raised in a relatively sheltered environment, like not near as bad as a lot of the people I've talked to, a lot of a lot of my friends in the military, a lot of the, the people I talked to in school. But even for me growing up in my society, I have inner family molestation in my family. Right. I have, you know, things like that that have occurred in my family and we I come from a good family. You know, I come from a good family and and, and not my immediate family, but my extended family. And it's, it's there. It's in our family. And the question is, is like if that's in my family, which is a relatively good family and I hang out with my friends in public school, their families are far worse. And their families, when I listen to their stories, way worse than the stuff that I dealt with. I've gone to bars with my friends. I've seen how men treat women in the bars. I've seen what happens afterwards. I go on porn websites. I know what's on the porn websites. Where it's like, sure, there's there's a lot of porn where you know the women are being treated right, but there's an awful lot of porn where they're not, and there is an awful lot of porn where they are being degraded. And again, the, just the question I have to ask those people is like, what bubble do you live in, where you think that this is this experiment's going good? Yeah. You know, where people aren't abusing. That's right. Like the third top, I think, I think the third top, uh, search for adult material was teen. So I don't know if those professors know that, but people, when they search for adult material are searching for younger, younger people, mm. you know, they, they want teenagers. Mm. 
Hmm. You know, that's, that's, a, and I can't imagine it's just teenagers making the searches on Google, Yeah. but, but there are a lot of adults that search for teen as well. Yeah. You know, um, and, and again, I think sometimes when professors are talking, they're not familiar with porn. They're not, hmm. meaning they're not familiar with the porn culture, um, where there's every kind of fantasy out there and, and whether you regard fantasy as right or wrong, that's not my argument here. I'm just saying that it reveals things that are in our heart and in our mind. And and for a professor to be negligent of that and to think like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I, I think like we're, we're going to have a society that's that's going to throw off things like Leviticus 18 and we're going to be just fine. Yeah. We're going to do just fine. You really haven't looked at even how people fantasize, hmm. you know, because people fantasize all different interesting things that break Leviticus 18 all the time. Mm. People, people all the time think about sleeping with other people's spouses. Mm. Um, um, you know, there, I mean, there's all kinds of things. So I don't know if the professor realizes that, that like if he's okay with his wife sleeping with some of the boys in his classroom, <laughs> you know, then he's legit. Yeah. Then I think he's being consistent, Yeah. you know, in his thought. But if he can't go there, if he if he can't go, well, hey, I'm willing to give my wife um, to you guys if if she wants to and you want to, you know, that's that's cool with me. Hmm. If he's that, then then I'm totally like I'll listen to him yeah. <laughs> because he's being logically consistent. Yeah. But if he's saying, hey, I think it's great we throw off the restraints, but just not in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> It is funny, man, because these these guys, these professors, I know they go back to their, you know, they go back to their gated community. They hang out with their Ivy League buddies. They go to their fancy parties, and they just they live in this facade. And it and it really is a facade because I know, you know, once again, my family started out very poor, but now we're actually kind of affluent. Like my dad and my mom are very, you know, they're very uh, wealthy. And the interesting thing is, is it really is a facade, meaning that what rich people do is they just pretend like everything's cool in their lives. But then you look in, what do you see? There's hidden alcoholism. There's hidden drug abuse. There's hidden, you know, there's hidden rape. There's hidden all this stuff that's happening. It's all, behind it's all happening doors. in there. So it's all happening. They just, they're just they just living in denial. Like, no, no, no. You know, we as a culture, we as a, a species, we're evolving and we're getting better. And it's like, where? Where is it? Where is this better life that you're talking about? It's not in the affluent people it's certainly not in the middle class and it's definitely not in the lower class so where is it you know where is this whole you know tv sitcom you know andy war you know uh, andy griffith life happening you know yeah and that's the that's i think one of the biggest things that hollywood has done is you know like we watch sitcoms and we like to believe that oh that's what life is supposed to be like but whose life is like that I don't know anyone's life that's like that. You know, when I watched the Cosby's as a kid or Growing Pains or any of these shows, I don't I don't know anyone's life who was like that. You know, my life wasn't like that. So it's just like I just don't know where these people are getting this from, you know, where this this idea of this perfect, you know, this perfection that's happening to humanity. I just don't know where it's from. Yeah. Well, there's there's all those inconsistencies, right? saying that we can throw it off, but really they don't want to even in their own life. And even when you really look into all, all of our lives, there's all the mess that's all there. And we can't, we can't just say that that's okay unless we be really logically consistent in our, in our naturalistic worldview, if it is, mm. you know, by saying, hey, there's no such thing as love. Mm. 
And then if we can get to that place, which is a really interesting place biblically, because Jesus says, you know, uh, when I come back, you know, will, will there really be love on the earth? You know, mm. will people really be loving? You know, and uh, there's another passage in the book of Timothy that talks about that in the latter days, people will become cold. Mm. People will become lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, you know, hating parents, you know, hating, hating people, you know, and. And that's what we got to do. We have to literally throw off love. We have to be able to say that wrong is right. We have to be able to say hurting people is okay. Hmm. And it's okay for you as a professor. It's okay for your wife to to hang out, to, to be intimate with um, the boys in your classroom. Hmm. And it's okay for them to be intimate with her. And it's okay for you to be intimate with the bo- girls in your classroom. And it's okay for them to be intimate with you. Hmm. And no matter what, who gets hurt or the emotional thing we'll get over that mm. you know that's what you have to believe is that your evolution will get over that one day you'll evolve past that that you know what i mean yeah that that you know that really love is just another social constraint it's just a made-up thing that we've done in culture and you can just toss it out and you have to do that and then we'll get to the 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 rainbow on the other side <laughs> you know so we throw out love we throw out everything, you know, all the all the sexual, uh, you know, things in, in Leviticus 18, and then we'll be okay. Yeah. It's going to take a while to get there, and that's what I hear them saying. Hmm. But but it'll happen, you know. Now, will that really happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Show me show me it in your life, and then I'll believe that it can happen. You know, that's right. You got to be. They got to do it in themselves. Yeah. You know? And that's that's always the trick, right? So when you're in college, kids, you know, you whenever you hear a professor spouting off this kind of stuff, you just have to ask them, like, are you okay with that yourself? Yeah. And let them see, let them take that logical consistency into their house. So are you okay with sleeping with your daughter? Are you okay with me sleeping with your daughter? Hmm. Are you okay, you know, and, and let them feel it. You know, you might get an F, <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, when I was in college, I was like that. I tended to to see those logical inconsistencies. Mm. So whenever I try to buck the system, the you know, of course, professors don't want to be bucked. That's not why they're getting paid good money, you know, is, is to hear some kid, you know, go at them. <laughs> but um. But what we're talking about is important, and it really, it really is great for those that um, um, struggle with pornography in the Christian life, hmm. because one of the greatest things we can do is always just break down the the fallacies of the world, hmm. the lies of the world. Um, uh, again, the logical uh, inconsistencies of the world, hmm. and 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 even in our talk too, just breaking down, you know, pornography too. And it helps us look at it. Like after a talk like this, I don't know about you, but it, for me, it makes me go, man, porn just is not good, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I love about these kind of dialogues, these kind of chats, mm. because it, you know, you can see that pornography is always a, f- it's trying to come out of the constraint. It's always trying to push out of, the constraint of God mm. and, and without ramifications, you know, that's what pornography is trying to do is do it without a ramification. Yet we know there's ramifications really in the lives of those that are doing it. Mm. And 
meaning they all feel um, in different ways, mm. but they all feel, they all go through emotions. And for those that are watching, um, it, it reveals our hearts. Mm. It reveals really, you know, where our hearts are at. And if there is such a thing as love, mm. then it certainly reveals a lot of selfishness that we have. Mm. Um, not in every case. I, I, I want to make that case, meaning not in every case. Mm. Um, and I certainly don't mean if someone comes across pornography, some kid's looking at pornography, he's being selfish when he's just curious and looking at something, mm. you know. Um, but in so many cases, there is a lot of selfishness that's going on mm. and indulgence that uh, if left unchecked, um, will will continue to progress from in more uh, selfishness you know right. and and I mean when you really think about that standard that's being proposed by the world they're actually saying the opposite of what they're saying what I mean is what they what they're what they're saying with their mouths is that we need to become more advanced but the world that they're proposing is a less advanced one meaning I, I know of cultures that are totally cool with sexual liberation they're animal cultures, though. You know, like the, the monkey doesn't care, you know, if it's used and abused and, and thrown out. They don't have psychological defects. They don't have sociological problems for the rest of their life. You know, the dog isn't isn't messed up if he's, you know, uh, has has intimacy when they're less than one years old and stuff like that. You know, it doesn't mess them up at all. So, I mean, the, what I'm saying is that the worldview that's being proposed is a less advanced one, not a more one. Right. And what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, is he says that, the reason why we have the capacity to abuse love the way that we do is because it's such a good gift. It's such a good gift that our Creator has given us that He has made us with the potential to love and to care for other people and to be hurt uh, by, by an abuse of that. And He says that, man, if you want a, a world where you're not hurt by that stuff, you got to live in a world without free will. You got to live in a world without choice. You got to live in a world without understanding of love and the beauties of it. You just got to live in a box like the animals do. But what, what Christianity is proposing, what Jesus proposed, is that the more advanced way is actually the more restricted way of understanding our impulses but denying them for a greater good and a greater joy. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I love C.S. Lewis's great quote at the uh, in his sexuality um, uh, chapter, just talking about that, the more restraint you have, the more clarity mm. comes to the individual. And the less restraint you have, the more foggy mm. everything becomes. Mm. And that's so true in life. You know, those of us who had much, you know, much sexual experience, a lot of times with us, it's everything becomes foggy. Mm. And, and the people who, have much more clarity of mind or people that know of it but have chosen to restrain mm. you know um, and they have much clarity you know so um, you know great 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 chat hope people get a lot of that good stuff from this uh, certainly was cool to wrap with you on that Peter we'll, we'll do it next week okay sounds good man check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series take flight and love or lust you can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. 
Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.